It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. We are joined now by the Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky and Senator. It's good to have you back. Hey, glad to be with you, Kyle. I'd like to start on Afghanistan. You have, because I get your speeches and your press releases, I'm on the email list. You have been talking about Afghanistan and warning about withdrawal and certain elements of the withdrawal, not for weeks, but for months throughout the entire Biden presidency and indeed back into the previous presidency as well, as you have watched everything unfold at the end of August and now into September, as the Biden administration have uh, has collectively pulled out of Afghanistan with the mess that we've watched. I wonder what your thoughts are and your overall analysis of the results of the policy and the planning or the lack thereof. Well, I think I would start by saying the war hasn't ended. It's just become more difficult for us to prosecute. The terrorist threat in Afghanistan is already greater than it was before this rash decision to withdraw. It will continue to grow. And our capacity to counter it has been dramatically diminished. We failed to get all Americans and Afghan partners out hundreds of Americans and thousands of our Afghan partners are now Taliban hostages. And if that were not enough, we have shredded our credibility as a reliable partner. Senator, I want to play for you a soundbite that I have played now for our previous two guests today, Jonah Goldberg and Brett Baer. It's Jake Sullivan who is the National Security Advisor to President Biden. He appeared on Good Morning America, and among other things, he had this to say, and there's one part of it that truly was astounding to me. Listen to cut 15. Leadership means taking a look at the situation and asking the hard question, what is going to be in the best interests of the United States of America, those American citizens still in Afghanistan, and those Afghan allies? Senator, he said that it's in the best interest of the United States of America to have left Americans and allies behind. But he went further saying it's also in the best interests of the stranded to have been stranded. And truly, I would like to know how they workshop that talking point inside the White House. Uh, this is the weakest set of talking points I've ever heard, uh, because this withdrawal made no sense. Um uh, it's important to remind everybody we had 2,500 troops there, only 2,500. We hadn't lost anybody in a year and a half. We lost more last Thursday, a week ago tomorrow, than any in any one of the previous four years. The total loss of American lives in um, Afghanistan over 20 years was about 2,000, which is very sad and regretful. But the Afghans lost 65,000. 
uh, we accomplished the mission. The mission, remember, was to keep the barbarians from controlling the country, the Taliban. They didn't. And to make it impossible for it to be a staging ground for another attack on the U.S. here at home. The policy was successful. And in terms of uh, financial costs, about 1% of the Pentagon budget. Senator McConnell, as we see the promise that has been broken to American citizens, to permanent residents, to allies like interpreters, tens of thousands of them who are now stranded and at the mercy, in many cases, of the Taliban, the president has given speeches, his team backing him up, saying this could not have been done any better. The execution was as good as could have been hoped or expected. Uh, the Americans who are left or stayed, as Ned Price said, in some ways it was sort of their fault because they were warned uh, for a period of months to get out, although the president was making other assurances publicly at the time. And I know that there's a lot of people who are very, very angry about the way this happened, about uh, you know the, the violation of this covenant that we made with so many people. The president said on TV, nationally, we are not going to leave if there are American citizens still left there. And then we left with American citizens still left. Is there going to be any accountability for this? I saw that you were asked a question about impeachment. You said that's not going to happen. Some of your colleagues in the Senate have called on the president to resign. I wonder what you make of that. Should anyone from this administration resign as a result of what's happened? Well, the, the president wanted this to happen. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why uh, people would resign in the administration who simply were following the orders of the president of the United States. Uh, the only thing you left out call this an extraordinary success. It was an extraordinary success for the right. Taliban. That's who had an extraordinary success. It was a, you know, disgraceful and disastrous de- departure. Um, Look, in terms of consequences, we are where we are. Uh, First of all, we need to increase the defense budget. The administration uh, defense request was clearly inadequate, even before this withdrawal. We all know weakness invites challenge, so we need to go on the offense against terrorists uh, before the Taliban victory emboldens jihadists worldwide. So we need to be very, very watchful here. So this administration, having made this, disastrous mistake uh, better be prepared for the rise in terrorist threats that are coming and need to confront them in a stronger way than we've seen um, so far and also look at this is a nato mission a lot of americans don't realize the germans the french uh, the english they were all in there with us uh, they've criticized this decision as well we need to start repairing our relationship with our allies as well On the home front, Senator McConnell, I want to ask you about a few different things. You have cut a new TV public service announcement about getting vaccinated. I know vaccinations and vaccines very personal to you, something that uh, you have thought a lot and talked a lot about, given your experience earlier in your life. What what sort of triggered this decision at this point? Because I know you've been very good on vaccines and urging people to get vaccinated all along since the vaccines were available was there something in particular that drove you to cut this PSA now? Well, the experience I had earlier in my life is I was a polio victim, and so I've, I've studied that disease, and I know it took probably uh, 50 years to find two vaccines that work. 
it has succeeded. We've largely eradicated polio in the whole world. Uh, I was thrilled at the success of developing three highly effective vaccines in less than a year, which we did as a result of Operation Warp Speed, which we funded last year. Honestly, Guy, it never occurred to me people would be reluctant to to, to take the vaccination. And, uh, really? So now we have, a, we have an epidemic going on. 90% of the people in the hospitals across America and in my state are unvaccinated. The answer to this dilemma that we face, the answer to this disease, is to get vaccinated. And I hope people will begin to realize that that's the only way this ever ends. Yeah, there's a, a young guy that I follow on Instagram who's young and very healthy, and he posted today that he's on day 11 of a COVID infection. He said he has not been hospitalized, but the symptoms have been severe. It's been extremely unpleasant for him, and he listed probably a dozen symptoms that he's been experiencing now for over a week and a half, and he's hoping that the worst of it is over, but he's not sure yet. And I asked him, were you vaccinated? And his answer was no. And I hope that his example and, and many other examples, hospitalized individuals and, of course, the deaths, is overwhelmingly among the unvaccinated. And so I'm glad that you did the PSA. I'm glad that you are very consistent on that point. You really didn't ever imagine that there would be vaccine-hesitant people? No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I was perplexed by it and, and still am. Uh, I, I gather it's picking up some as a result of not what politicians like myself may say, but because of the uh, hospitalizations. You know, make the point. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation now floating around on the Internet and in the country, but you, you, you can't argue with the fact that this resurgence is among unvaccinated Americans. In your neck of the woods on Capitol Hill, there's a big fight coming on spending. The Democrats want to force through on a party line vote through reconciliation, $3.5 trillion in spending at least. I know that there's some scorekeepers who've said it could be 5 to $5.5 trillion. There's a handful of more moderate Democrats saying, we're not sure about those top line numbers. We're not sure we want to spend that much money. But Nancy Pelosi down in the House, you know, she's trying to figure out how to get her troops in line uh, for this upcoming vote. Part of the discussion, of course, is the bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed out of the Senate on a pretty large bipartisan vote. You were among those Republicans who voted yes. I have a two-part question. The first, there are some conservatives who say Republicans like you shouldn't have voted for that bipartisan bill because you're sort of rewarding the Democrats and you're giving a patina of bipartisanship to this insane amount of spending that they are attempting to to ram through and Republicans shouldn't put their fingerprints anywhere near any of the spending. Uh, what is your response to those critiques from the right? And then secondly, once something happens down in the House, what are your expectations about how things are going to play out on reconciliation in the Senate? Well, my answer on the first is they're two entirely separate bills. They're not connected. Eighty-five percent of the Americans uh, favor infrastructure. Uh, administrations of both parties have been trying to do this for the last decade. Uh, I felt it was time to do something for the country, even though I object to everything else the Biden administration is doing. And so 
The second bill, it's a totally separate bill, is a reckless tax and spending measure, massive tax increases. You're absolutely right, three and a half to five trillion dollars that will wreak havoc with the most productive parts of our society. Everybody's also, I think, <laughs> needs to remember that in February 2020, we had the best economy we had have had in a half a century as a result of the 2017 tax bill. This this absolutely undoes everything we did four years ago in that 30-year uh, tax reform bill. It's, it's a devastating blow to the economy, and it's not just the taxes. It's how they would spend it. Free community college, uh, free this, free that, uh, in perpetuity. Uh, look, Bernie Sanders may have lost the nomination, but he won the war over what today's Democratic Party is like. And as you suggested, uh, Guy, it seems like we're down to a couple of moderate Democrats in the Senate, and maybe eight or nine in the House. I pray for them every night because not a single Republican will vote for either one of uh, will, will vote for this package, and that means that. Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema could either kill the whole bill, write the whole bill, or buckle under pressure. And I hope neither of them do. Yeah, my guess, if I had to wager, is that they'll pare some things down and get to a, a top-line figure that's a little bit less uh, extraordinary in terms of the amount of spending we're looking at, on top of all the other emergency spending that was COVID-related or said to be COVID-related over the last year-plus you know, three and a half to five trillion more. I know Mansion and Cinema have said no go on that. We we can't do that. But maybe they'll, you know, bring it bring it a little bit down, but not all that far down, and then vote along with the party. That's that's kind of the way I'm expecting it. But it's precarious. It's a very tough balancing act with very few votes to spare, none in the Senate, as you know. And uh, Pelosi and Schumer are going to have to figure that out. Speaking of the balance of power in the U.S. Senate, last question from me. I saw the poll. I'm sure you saw the poll uh, up in New Hampshire this week with Chris Sununu in a hypothetical matchup with Senator Hassan, uh, leading by eight points head to head. He's a very known commodity in the state. She's the incumbent for the Republicans to have a shot at retaking the Senate next year. It's, it's going to be tough, a really tight map for both parties. Uh, everyone has been talking who follows the Senate and Senate politics closely about New Hampshire as, as a real opportunity for the GOP. I know Governor Sununu is not sold, let's put it that way, on running for Senate. Having seen that poll this week up there, uh, have you placed any additional calls or text messages to the governor of New Hampshire this week? <laughs> well, I did see the poll, and obviously we would love for the governor to run. But I think maybe an even more significant uh, poll is the, uh, the, the dropping of of Joe Biden's approval rating. We all know that next year will be a referendum on how you feel about this administration. Presidential approval is the coin of the realm in these off-year elections two years into a new, new administration. We saw what happened to Bill Clinton two years in, what happened to Barack Obama two years in, Donald Trump lost the House two years in. Um, presidential approval will be the most important national poll next year, and I think all of that is a result of this calamity in Afghanistan. And the president's numbers were already falling. Uh, indicate that uh, the atmosphere for a very, very good election for Republicans in both the House and the Senate 
next year is highly likely and consistent with American history. Yeah, he was falling on the economy, falling on COVID, falling on immigration, of course, another crisis that isn't over. And now Afghanistan is pouring fuel on the fire. We're watching all of it. We're covering all of it here. Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the U.S. Senate, Republican of Kentucky. Always appreciate your time, sir. Looking forward to next time. Thanks, John. And we'll be right back. That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.